This is the Mini Market Podcast. Welcome back to episode 61 of the Mini Market Podcast. I am Dalton here with Connor and Lucas. Fellas, how are we doing on this beautiful Sunday evening? It's playoff season. We're getting real close to uh, the NBA and the NHL playoffs. So exciting time of the year. Um, only really two sports going on right now. So that's that's kind of it. But, you know, it's a fun, exciting time of the year with uh, both playoffs for NBA and the NHL. Two sports. Yeah. Uh-huh. Two only two. Yep. No big first games or first series. Even the dogs. He's no, he knows that stuff's going on. He's a big twins guy. Yeah. Does he love going one and two against the Mariners in our first series? Hey, there's there's one game left. Four gamer. Ten piece. Ten piece today. Hey, those games were fun to watch, though. I enjoyed those games. Almost a walk-off bomb, almost a W, blown save, and then a big offensive outburst. Fun first series. But anyway, we're going to be playoff heavy today. We're going to be talking Wolves. We're going to be talking Wild. Maybe a little game mixed in in the middle. So we'll start with the Wolves because in theory, in it's possible that this could be our last podcast where we can talk about the Wolves this year because their season could be done by next Sunday. They've got Love their the optimism. First true Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> fan here. At least, at least like for, for once in, I mean, other than the Jimmy Butler, you're like, we're talking like, Hey, maybe we still will be playing, you know, maybe yeah. we'll still be playing next week. Wolves so are in exciting. Almost. I don't know if they consider the play in Post-season. the Postseason. Postseason, here we come. I did learn they do not count the play-in as playoffs. Like guys with Good. playoff incentives in their contracts, they have to Ooh. win the play-in tournament to get those incentives. So I like that. I like that. Otherwise, we just seed one through 16 there next year. Go. Everyone Connor, can get their incentives. Fully with the ownership group. Not a player's guy. Honestly, I think if we made a list, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if we had topics that were between the pro player and pro ownership to see where like everyone fell. Because it'd be interesting to see, like, am I more pro player or pro ownership than I think? Are you communist or capitalist? When we do always feel like you're a player's person, right? You're like, yeah, I'm so happy for the players. But then you're like, God, they don't need that much money. They can take a (laughs) cut. We get another guy. We win the Super Bowl. But here's how we do it. We do it anonymously so you don't know which side is which it's just one long mm-hmm. list you pick which ones pick you know x amount then you find out no well, i think you're a numbers guy get, i think you have to know which one's which right like you'd be <laughs> like are you for have, the like, salary some, cap or yeah. you against it and you're like well <laughs> pretty easy to see who's on which side there it's like the which office character are you online quizzes. It's like, do you, which yeah, one would Harry you prefer? Uh, beat farming? Like, it's like, well, I wonder <laughs> yeah. which one I, is Dwight, right? But uh, yeah. okay, so we're going to talk Wolves. Crazy thing, last game tonight against the Bulls. If they win that game, they'll finish the season with the same record as the Jimmy Butler Wolves. So there's maybe People a little extra motivation that. to get that W tonight. But the first playoff game or first play-in game is scheduled for Tuesday. It's Wolves-Clippers. I think Wolves Nation is a little bit pessimistic, even though the Wolves will be at mm-hmm. home because the Clips got Paul George back and have been the number one offense in basketball Uh-oh. since Paul George has been P. in the business. Just like an all-time uh, Wolves situation, like even when things are going well, they stumble into one of the teams that probably has like when healthy, the most firepower in the NBA (laughs) and they just happen to be injured and out this year. So they fall down to the eight seed classic wolf luck. Yeah. Just a bummer. But you know, I'm not saying it's over. You know why I got two numbers for you. 24. Oh, so excuse me, 26 and 14. That is the pups home record 26 and 14 when the howl meters going we got a chance and that's the key to the playoffs for me two games at home just gotta win one just gotta win one one game at a time baby anything can happen game two but focus on game one yeah let's get it done 
So I'm going to give you two reasons to be pessimistic about this upcoming game against the Clippers, and then I'll give you two reasons to be optimistic. And you guys can let me know where you fall. Because right now the Wolves are two and a half point favorites over the Clippers, but if, I think if you pulled Wolves Nation, I think they would, would they would favor the Clippers. Point underdogs. Yeah, yeah. Might be a little <laughs> bit of an emotional hedging situation going on here. But anyway, all right, here are my two reasons to be pessimistic about the Wolves matchup against the Clips on Tuesday. Number one is playoff experience. The Clippers roster, if you take out Kawhi Leonard, has played in 97 playoff series. They've played in 544 postseason games, and they've made 301 postseason starts. Wolf. Compare that to the Wolves roster. Only 24 postseason series played compared to the Clippers' 97. 125 postseason games compared to the Clippers' 544, and 65 starts compared to 301. And almost all of the Wolves' stats are Pat Bev. Like Pat yep. Bev has made 48 <laughs> of the 65 postseason hey, starts. But that's veteran leadership, baby. That's what we brought him in here for. I Question so. for you, Dalt and Lou. How important do you think is playoff experience in the NBA? Like, do you think it is like just vital? Like if you're not, if you haven't done it before, is it just really hard to understand like how competitive, how intense, how like big the atmospheres are. Like, do you think that's a big factor? Like, cause for instance, I kind of think playoff baseball, like, I don't think it's that different in a lot of ways, you know, like you're getting the number ones. Well, you might face the number ones for teams 60 times throughout the year. So like in basketball, do you think there's like a huge difference in postseason? I guess I'm asking two wolves fans. So what the hell do we know? But in our opinions, <laughs> point. what do we think of, is playoff experience like really important? Would you mark that as like a super high item? So like you said, we don't have a ton of playoff experience, but from, <laughs> from watching playoffs and like listening to national people talk about playoff basketball, I get the sense that yes, because one, the playoff rotations are really trimmed down. So you're not playing like nine, 10 guys. You might only play like seven or eight in a given game. So the best players are playing a lot longer minutes. And I think the defensive intensity just picks up because guys can't play every possession so hard all season long. So they do sort of have to take possessions off. But in the playoffs, it's like, no, I'm going to D up hard every single possession. So I think just the overall intensity level defensively, like it's a lot harder to score on offense. And then just the the fewer deeper bench guys that come in, like you're not going to have Rando McGee playing for the other team like they're going to have their top eight and it's a good eight that are going to be in at all times so i get the sense that yes but you know we'll see we'll see Mm -hmm. i uh i tend to lean the same way um for a lot of the reasons Dalt said where like you know it could be just a game versus portland in the middle of the season where you know they take cat out for 10, 15 minutes of a game or, you know, whoever comes out just to get a little more rest and that's just not going to happen. And I think also just the, the sheer pressure now that every, it almost feels like in big games, there's every possession counts. You can't really give away anything like Dalton. So you're going to D up, you're going to have, there's just going to be a higher stress level in the game. And I think being able to manage that with experience really does help. And one other thing I want to throw in is like the coaching aspect of it. I think during the regular season, your opponents, like, yeah, they're game planning for you, but they might have like 24 hours to game plan for you. Where in the playoffs, like they're ramping Mm. up to shut down your number one, your number two options. Like they're only game planning for you. They don't have to worry about anything else. So for guys, maybe like cat or ant who don't have a ton of playoff experience. And now you've got a guy like Ty Lu, a guy who's coached 80 playoff games in his career, game planning specifically to shut you down. Like he's been ramping up for this now for a week and a half, knowing that this is the matchup. Like I think that aspect aspect of it plays a big role. Interesting point too, with like Ty Lue being, we we've already talked about how good of a coach we think he probably is. And so it just adds another uh, playoff experience factor point, maybe to the, uh, the clips. I don't think the wolves have like, obviously Chris Finch hasn't coached any playoff games, but I don't know as far as their roster, like I would be curious to see playoff experience from the coaches, even just as assistants. Like, I don't know how many of them have been in the coach's room game planning for a playoff series. Mm -hmm. Like I I feel like that's something that would be a very much a learned skill. 
could be could be looked on as bad. We don't have the experience, but also no bad experience game planning or no bad habits. Got to think about it positive, right? Let's be positive here. <laughs> no bad habits. They haven't developed bad habits. Yep. No other bad than playoff losing habits. in the regular season, no which is a habit apparently a lot of these coaches have developed. Habits. I like that. A positive spin. So now we'll go back to negative. Uh, <laughs> my second reason <laughs> to be pessimistic is that the Clippers are much larger than the Timberwolves. The Clips That's have two seven-footers. The Wolves have zero. And the Clips have huge wings. Like They have guys who are 6'7 or taller. They have Paul George, who's 6'8", Robert Covington, 6'7", but really long arms, over seven-foot wingspan. Marcus Morris Sr., 6'8". Then you look at the Wolves, like wings that are 6'7 or taller. They have Jaden McDaniels, who's 6'9", and then Jake Lehman, who's probably not going to play. And you could say Vando is tall, but he's not a wing. Like he's, he's a power forward who can't shoot. So they have a ton of size. That's a little bit intimidating, especially because Cat gets in foul trouble a lot. So with one game, it's, it's scary because if Cat picks up two quick ones, then the Wolves lose their size, basically, because Nas Reed's 6'9". Like he's very undersized for a center. Vando is slight. Like it, it could get ugly if Cat has to sit down for a couple minutes early. So now those are my two main reasons to be pessimistic for the Clippers game. I have a slight rebuttal to the size thing, and that's that I've always been told it's not the size of the ship, it's the motion of the ocean. So I think we're going to be all right. You hear that that a lot, huh? Too much. Too much. All right, and then we'll swing it the other way. Here are my two reasons to be optimistic for this matchup. You sound excited. First one, like we said, it's one game, but on top of that, I think this one game means more than any other game in Patrick Beverly's career. I think the Clippers gave Patrick Beverly away. They basically said, we don't need you anymore. See you later. So this Pat Bev, the ultimate fighter, the ultimate underdog, this is his ultimate opportunity, a one game playoff against his former team. Yeah. And he's the emotional heart and soul of the Timberwolves. So I think, his motivation is at an all-time high. So if he can get that, get the roster motivated as well, I think the Wolves could come out fighting like no other game all season long. I think one thing that scares me about that is the fact that um, our two two items for pessimism are based in fact, and our one positive thus far is based in what we hope happens, based on a speculation, hunch, based on a grudge. <laughs> so um, that's not exactly as uplifting, but we'll see what we got next. Here's what I'll say. Love and hate are two very strong motivators. Pat Bev appears to love Minnesota now, appears to love the team, hates the Clippers now, right? Dalt, just like you're saying, allegedly, I don't know. Allegedly. Double the motivation. Then my second reason to be optimistic are that Ant and D'Lo seem to be turning the corner and seeming to be rounding into playoff form at the right time. So D'Lo, he's had kind of a so-so season. He's only averaging 18 points, seven assists, shooting 34% from three, 41% overall. Like It's a solid season, nothing crazy. I think Wolves fans hoped coming into the season. He said he was treating it like a contract season. We had hoped for maybe like a, you know, 20 and nine season from D low, but um, he had a really bad March. So he only shot 27% from three, only averaged 13 points per game in 14 games in March. So really bad. But then in his three April games, he's shooting 36% from three, averaging 21 points. Like he's had a couple of really good games in a row. So for me, like D is a really big swing piece in this playoffs. Like if he's playing well, that really takes the team to another level. But when he's struggling, it really, that first team offense can, can get slow at some points. And then similarly, Ant. So Ant's averaging 21.5 points this season, 4.8 rebounds, 3.9 assists, shooting 36% from three. He had a really, really bad February. He was sort of battling knee issues. He only shot 25% from three, only averaged 16 points in 12 games in February. But then he sat for four games, sort of healed up. Since then, he's shooting 40% from three, 41%, averaging almost 22 points per game, and he just had that massive 49-point game against the Spurs. So I think with those two guys coming into form, if they can play well, I think Cat's going to play well. That's three guys, big three, 
I think that can push them over the edge to the W. So how do we feel after my two pessimistic points, two optimistic points? How are we feeling? The one thing in support of your second component is with them shooting well, you know, I think you said D'Lo especially shooting well from three in the month of April in the few games that we've had. And that's supported by um, story rhymes because April showers bring May trophies. So if he stays hot from three, things are going to be looking up according to nursery rhymes. All in all, I feel, um, I don't know. This is so dumb, I think, but I'm optimistic. I just feel like the wolves, the intangible stuff that I talked about, like they're not really based in fact. They're more just based in, I really think that's what makes this wolves team kind of special. Like when you watch them, there is a sort, sort of like excitement to the game because they play really hard. And I hope that they are able to like take it up a notch for the postseason and like, you know, get into that, you know, like postseason form that they always talk about. I'm kind of optimistic. We could lose by 40 and this would just be a horrible take, but I, I don't know. I feel like the Wolves are like a little bit special this year, which you, usually I love just poking fun at them um, because we've just had traditional horror stories every year, but this year just something feels different. We got, you know, guys, three guys averaging over 20 points, it feels like, but I don't know if there's stats to support that, but that's what it feels like. So not quite. He was at 18, but yeah, close. Yeah. Well, we round up here. I think this game's massive because if they lose, even if they win the second game and they're the eighth seed, like they're going to get spanked by the Suns. The Suns are so good. So it'd be nice to have more of a competitive series, even if it only goes five games where most of them are competitive or if they push it to six against the Grizzlies, like that would be awesome. Seven would be great. But I think the Spurs or the Suns, it'd be tough to even get five games. Like it could be a sweep that's ugly. And John Morant made a quote. Uh, he was asked in an interview, like, who are your rivals? And he kind of mentioned the Wolves. So Ooh. that'd be a sick budding rivalry. Of not, the, I don't think it was like a he hates the Wolves things. I think it was just like they match up well. So that'd be like a cool... I'd love that rivalry because the Memphis Grizz feel like the future of the NBA right now with John Morant being pretty sick. So he's, that'd be yeah, a fun rivalry sick. with him and Ant. That would be fun. So, so Connor, you're feeling optimistic. You think maybe they're going to get a W against the Clips? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I'm thinking I was going to ask people score predictions. I'm going to go um, 109-107 Wolves. Oh, Lou, how are you feeling? And then give us your score prediction. You know what? I am sick and tired of expecting a playoff loss to happen. I've been doing it my whole life. I'm optimistic. Certainly with the Timberwolves, I have basically never been optimistic in my entire Timberwolves <laughs> fandom. And I am turning a corner. This team is different. I like our chances. Big thing Connor mentioned early on. We're at home, baby. The games have been rocking. Target Center is going to be needed to re be remodeled yet again, probably in the next few years, because the bleachers have been rocking so much. The foundation is going to need to be rechecked. This game is huge. The fans are going to show out. The players are showing up. Timberwolves win 112-107. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, here's the... Okay, so if you were like the T-Wolves PR person... I feel like they give out free stuff at playoff games. What's the best way to get them rocking? You give out like free t-shirts. So everyone's in the same color. Do you give out like the thunder sticks? What are you guys giving thunder out? Sticks. Thunder Nine sticks. Definitely thunder sticks. Cause it's, they're so goddamn loud. Like they're so annoying. And everyone, like, it's just something to do with your hands at the game. And you I also, can wave them. You can smack them together. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Connor. No, I was just saying, I, I also picture like teams having like a playoff marketing promotional budget every year. And so if I'm the Wolves, we've been saving that up and probably investing it for years and years. It's probably massive. So I don't know why we should be giving entire jumpsuits out to our fans. Like you get to your seat and you're like, oh my God, I am a medium. Let's go medium top, large bottom. Oh my God, this is perfect. Um, thunder sticks, the bear claws should be coming back. We should have so much money saved up in our playoff promotional fund that I just, I, the, the possibilities are endless. You get a car, you get a car. Check on your seats, everybody. <laughs> Everyone gets a full crunch suit. Just everybody, you don't know which one's mm -hmm. the real crunch. I'm interested. Chaos. Honestly, the real thing, I, they used to do this back in the day. 
the free the the lightning lines knockout whatever you call it before the game for kids i used to go just for just to play it was awesome i never won a shocking but that gets the people going when the team is bad so imagine how electric that lightning line is going to be for a playoff game thousand people strong excuse me postseason game yeah watch yourself so, yeah, you know what? That's another point to support us. Throw up the playoff experience. This isn't the playoffs. Great so point. I don't even care about that. I'm over that. Let's go Wolves. Come on. <laughs> Man, going, going into this, I was thinking I was, I was favoring the Clips by maybe like six or seven, but you guys might have swung me. Let's go. So we'll go Wolves. Yep, big time Wolves fans, Connor and Lucas, swaying Dalton. Let's go Wolves. We'll go Wolves, 111. Clips one thirteen. Hey, wow. we cover. <laughs> I I think. How do you guys feel? What if I put like twenty bucks on the Clippers? On on the you know give give the Wolves two and a half. Just put twenty bucks on the Clippers. Say I'll happily pay twenty bucks to get the Wolves in the seven seed. A little emotional the head. Thing, Does that make me a bad fan? I don't think so because I think the most dedicated fans are allowed to emotional hedge. Like if I did it, I would hope you guys would call me a fraud because I haven't been locked into this team ever pretty much in my life. And so like, if I was like, if I was like, Oh, I just can't handle this playoff pressure. I got to just throw some money on the clips to make myself, make myself happy. Regardless, I would hope you guys would expose me hard, but I think as a, as a diehard fan, the emotional hedge isn't the worst play. And I think it just it goes to show what you've experienced. You know, either way, you're either you're smart at this point. You know what to expect. And then I'm what does what does uh Ike's dad always say? Uh, under expect over what is it? I don't know. I put in the clip in this part. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in the clip. <laughs> this is the spirit of Mike Welkley speaking. The quote you're looking for, Lou, is low expectations, high aspirations. Okay, so we're, we're, we're not going to talk too much about the Pels and Spurs potential matchups. I think the Pelicans are probably the tougher matchup there just because they're a better team. They've been playing well lately, but we don't need to get too far into that because maybe, just maybe, that won't even matter because the Wolves will come through and smash the clips. But I wanted to ask you guys, how do we feel about the play-in tournament in general? Because the Wolves are clearly the best team in the play-in tournament. Like, overall, regular season resume. Not like who's the hottest recently, but they're five games ahead of the eight-seed Clippers. They're 10 games ahead of the Pelicans, who aren't even 500. The Pelicans are 36 and 45 going to the last game of the season. And then they're 12 games ahead of the 10-seed Spurs, who are 13 games under 500. Do we feel like there should be some kind of, like, you have to be within five games of being 500 to even qualify for the play-in tournament? Are we okay with letting these teams in? How do we feel? Um, personally, I am not a fan. Like if you have like a wild card or like something like the NFL or the MLB used to do, that's fine. But like a win and you're in thing. But this whole tournament, I, I'm not a fan. And I'm really in any sport. I hate when a team that is under 500 makes the playoffs. Like that's just like, what are we doing here? They clearly didn't deserve, like they just, in my mind, don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I think the one cool thing about it is, and this year isn't that reflective of it, but it uh, sometimes will allow up and coming teams to like qualify for the playoffs, maybe a little before they peak, which is kind of a cool thing. And like, then, like we said, you just win one and you're actually in the playoffs and you're competing against top teams at the top level. So like, if the Wolves last year would have like been in this situation where they're the nine or the 10, I feel like we all would have like a different opinion on it where it's like, okay, we're like kind of starting our climb. We'll go play one game against the nine or the eight place team in the division or the conference. And then we'll lose. And it's like, well, yeah, but we had kind of had this really cool experience. And then like next year we ramp up for that. Unfortunately, the three teams that are in it, well, I guess the Pelicans are kind of like that, but like the Clippers, like they are a veteran team. Like you talked about all the experience that so doesn't really apply to them. I think from a personal selfish fandom standpoint, it sucks that the Wolves are finally like 46 and 35 or 47 and 35 potentially um, if they win today. That's like a legit record. Like that not making the playoffs is wild to me. So I feel like Dalton would be a wild concept, but 
it'd be cool to say like in order to qualify for the plan tournament, you have to be above 500 or at or above 500. So it's like, there could be a plan tournament. There could not be. It's like, it like puts more pressure. The one thing it might do is put more pressure on the good conference because, you know, if the Eastern conference is way better then they might have 12 teams get into the playoffs for all we know. Right. Like that would be wild. And they would definitely change it if that happened. But right now it feels like there's usually around like nine, maybe 10 teams when the West was really good, that would be above 500. And that seems like perfect. You know, basically this format, but to reward a 37 or sorry, 34 and 47 team kind of sucks. If the Spurs make it into the real playoffs, that's a dagger, but it probably shows, Hey, maybe this is the right system, you know, get the hot team. I think at a, in an old pod, we talked about like, Oh, the, the hottest team over the last, didn't we talk about that at one point, the hottest team at like the last four weeks of the season for maybe the MLB should just get into the playoffs. Yes, I do. It was probably that. related to the twins being like good at the end of the season and being like, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to just like, let them do that. Essentially. That's what the NBA then ripped off, took from our pod and maybe did it a little bit. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this thinking over the last week. I feel like in the long run, this is going to benefit the Wolves because maybe it's just my Wolves pessimism, but I feel like in the long term, mm. the Wolves are like settle around like the ninth or tenth best team in the league just because no, you know, no free agents want to come here. The draft's always kind of a, a hit or a miss. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like in 25 years, we'll look back and we'll be like, okay, if there were no play in tournaments, like the Wolves would have missed out on these three or four playoff opportunities so like this one season we're definitely biased like if we were pals fans right now we'd be like this is the best thing ever like there's so much more excitement yeah Mm -hmm. so i think like short very short-sighted this is stupid but long term it might actually be a good thing for wolves fans Mm, good point because i basically just talked myself in a circle like i started that thinking one thing ended it thinking another because i just see both sides and you're like yeah it's a fair a fair dispute to have Either way, though, it makes for must-watch TV. Like, it, Wolves mm-hmm. fan, if you're a diehard, if you've attended no games this season and just kind of, like, kept up on the standings and checked your ESPN app, like, this is must-watch TV on Tuesday. Like, there people are going to be mm-hmm. tuned in. This is the biggest Wolves game in a long time. For sure. I have a question for you, Dalton, specifically. Um, how do you see the minutes shaking out? I know you touched on when we were talking about play, playoff experience um, guys will see reduced or no minutes. How do you see that working in? What do you think the rotation sort of will be for the Wolves in the postseason or in the yeah postseason games? So I think the starting five is interesting for this specific matchup against the Clippers because the Clips have exposed Jared Vanderbilt in the matchups this season. Like they were the first team to sort of say we're going to guard Cat with our power forward have our center guard Vanderbilt and just have our center camp out in the lane basically. Cause Vanderbilt's like a non shooting threat. So I'm curious to see if Vanderbilt ends up getting sort of pinched out of minutes and doesn't play as much as he typically does. But, um, overall, I think the wolves are going to run, you know, the big three cat and Delo. I think Beasley is going to have a huge role in the playoffs because shooting becomes increasingly important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guys, as far as guys that might get squeezed out of minutes, I think Nas Reed might end up losing some time because he's so weak defensively and kind of undersized. I think he might end up losing minutes. Um, Jalen Noel is another guy that I think, depending on the game, might not get a ton of minutes. Like if the offense is humming where they don't need to bring in a guy who just is a shot creator, he might not end up playing because he doesn't bring a ton in terms of defense and He's a guy who sort of needs the ball in his hand to make his maximal impact. Um, so those, those are two guys who I could see sort of losing minutes guys who might play additional minutes compared to their, their regular season role. I think Torian Prince could be a big one um, because he sort of adds that one veteran presence and two, he's kind of like a defensive wing can make some threes. So he's a big one. And weirdly they signed Greg Monroe like, Three days ago, people might have missed that. He <laughs> he had his one shining moment in the midseason where people were ready to make him mayor of Minneapolis. But they re-signed him because Nathan Knight is on a two-way contract. Who's he's like the Wolves backup, like third center, basically. But if you're on a two-way contract, you're not playoff eligible. So they signed Greg Monroe to come in for the playoff stretch. And he like actually provides size. So he might end up playing Nas Reed's minutes. Like Nas might not get minutes, and Greg Monroe might end up playing like 
eight to 10 minutes a game to spell cat when the other team is big, just throw Monroe out there and have him bang bodies. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question in terms of like playoff rotation. Mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. curious. Cause there's a lot of different ways that Finch could go with this. Like he could sit Vanderbilt and play, um, McDaniels potentially he could play Prince if he wants more of a veteran lineup he could play Beasley if he wants to really focus on shooting so I don't know how much stock we can put into one game against the Clippers in terms of like carrying that forward to a Grizzlies series for example but it'll be it'll be really fun to watch because Finch you know he he's an offensive mastermind so we'll see we'll see what he does with the rotations here going forward. Uh, another question I had for you, Wolves related, was um, how who would you say is like maybe the most important player for us in this series, Dalton and Isaiah? Who who or sorry, Dalton and Lucas? Who are your most important player? Who is Lou? You go first. I mean, mine's got to be Carl Anthony Towns. I uh, mean, the offense just I feel like has to run through him. He has to have for the Wolves to win. I think he needs to do well. Just plain and simple. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if he takes more control and is just like, this is my team. I'm the best player on this team. I'm going to take I mean, the 25 yeah. shots rather than... Exactly. He's, he's always prided himself on like, I'll make the pass when I need to. And that's a good thing maybe in the long run, but in one game, it's like, dude, you're the best guy on the team. You can sh- you're can you a good shooter. Just like take the ball and score. Best player, in, best player on the team has to show up in the biggest game of the season. Like, it just has to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Cats... Pro, like cat is probably the most important, but for me, like, I think Delo is actually the most important player. Um, just because he's such a swing piece. Like he's had so many games this season where he goes three of 11 from the field and scores 11 points and is like really quiet. So for me, like if he can be assertive and drive the offense, make, you know, have like 12 assists, but also 15, 18 points, like an efficient night. I think that does a ton to, sort of grease the wheels on the offense and get the team rolling. So for me, if he's solid, I I think weirdly, like we kind of know what Ant's going to do. Like he's probably going to score 20 plus points on like 20 shots, but like D'Lo is is with him, even though he's more experienced than Ant, like I think he's kind of a big swing piece for their success. Yeah. I kind of feel like Malik Beasley might end up being the most important player and Dalton touched on it with, with his shooting ability. Like having him be successful in this in this postseason game or in you know the two postseason games he could really swing the swing the pendulum for for the T-Wolves All right we're bringing back a game it's game time game time it's a numbers game do 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 we played this My one favorite. other time <laughs> Lou is Lou is just so excited he can't even control himself. I live for games, so I'm in. Let's go. So it's a numbers game. Basically, it's trivia, but all the answers are numbers. Ooh. So I've got Woo-woo-woo. 10 questions for you guys, plus a tiebreaker if needed. So you guys can submit your answers in the chat here. So play along at home. Let us know how you do in these 10 questions. Minnesota sports-related questions. All the answers are numbers. All right. Question number one. It's a numbers game. This offseason, the Minnesota Twins signed Byron Buxton to a seven-year deal. How many million dollars was that seven-year contract? Sure. Checked out Twitter earlier. My 21 Twitter followers, they're screaming right now. Sports Guy Dalton at Sports Guy Dalton. That's me, baby. Connor says 145 million. Lucas says 100 million. The correct answer is 100 million dollars. 145. Woof. We should. He's the greatest player ever. Adult. He might be. I'm Babe Ruth who? I mean, we'll see. He's probably going to end up earning more than that when he wins the next six MVPs, but whatever. Guy, I was going to say, incentives. Well, there's that. He's got a hell of incentives. A lot of incentives. All right. Question two. It's a numbers game. How old is Kirill Kaprizov? Just got to give me years. You don't have to give me days. 
No. Connor says 27. Lucas says 24. The correct answer is 24. Oh! Lou is hot out the gates. Louie. Totally knew it. It's a numbers game. Question three. How many playoff games in a row have the Minnesota Twins lost? It's a numbers game. Lucas says 19. Connor says 17. Split the difference. It's 18. Damn it. Well, it's soon to be 19 this year, probably, right? Never, never, never. Breaking the streak. 90 90 losses in the postseason. What are you nuts? (laughs) Don't do that to me. I'm in a good mood. Season's over. All right. What is the difference between Dalvin Cook's old number and his new number? Get out your calculators. For the life of me, I can't think of his new number, so this is going to just be a complete guess. See, that's yeah, that's the thing. You have to know both, and then you have to do a little math. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about the math. So Dalvin Cook's old number, 33. He decided to change it this year to number four. So the correct oh. answer is 29. Lucas gets that one. Connor said 27. Killing it. I thought he switched to six for some reason. But um, is that, did one of our DBs just switch to six? Dantzler switched to now. three, I think. I saw that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. After four questions, Lou holds a commanding 3-0 lead. <sighs> the mind is sharp today. Question five for the cult of Kirk. What year did the Vikings sign Kirk Cousins? couple of blank stares. There's a lot of thinking going on. Connor said 2016. Lucas said 2018. And the correct answer is 2018. Lucas hails it. March of 2018 is when Kirk Cousins signed his initial deal with the Vikings. So through five, lose up four zero. Connor, it's not over. It is not over yet. Question six: The Timberwolves have one jersey number retired. What jersey number is it? It's Rashad McCants, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tar Heel legend Rashad McCants. Lucas says 21 KG, which is incorrect. KG's number yeah, is unfortunately got too not got too excited. Yet. Connor guessed 45 and then said crunch. <laughs> is that crunch's number? <laughs> hey, it should be hanging from the rafters. No, uh, actually Don't number two is retired. Malik Seeley. He was a Timberwolves player who died in a car accident. I was going to say, I knew it was somebody who passed away that uh, it wasn't retired because of um, maybe banners hung or anything. Unfortunately, no banners. All right, mm-hmm. question seven. So, Connor, you're going to need to run the table here to catch Easy enough. Question seven. What number draft pick do the Vikings have in the upcoming NFL draft? What first-round draft pick do they have? Connor looks I'm between two and I I'm just calling whatever got first thing. I'm just sending in the chat. You both guessed 12 and you're both right. Number 12. Hey, way to go, Connor. Okay. Mike's picking 12 I was like, is this it, year. Is it 11 or 12? I don't remember. I was like, we're pretty bad, so we're definitely top half. <laughs> Question eight. We're going back to the wild. New goaltender, Mark andre Fleury. How many Stanley Cup titles has Mark andre Fleury won? 
You were both confident. Three is the correct answer. You both said three. Nice. Hot streak. So Lou, 6-2, locked up the W. Got a new favorite game, fellas. <laughs> Last two questions here. So Joe Maurer, he did not wear number seven in high school. And when he came up to the pros, his high school number was taken by one Jason Kubel. So Maurer took seven instead. What number did Jason Kubel steal from Joe Maurer? Lou, deep in thought. Lou, close Google. Just go yeah. with your heart. I, like I have it. I'm just going to go with it. You both guessed 16 and you're both correct. 16 oh, okay. was Joe Maurer's high school baseball God, number. What a scrubby number. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I remember watching like his high school videos like all the time when you watch a Twins game and they just play clips of how good he was in high school at all the sports. And so that one's ingrained in me. Yeah, you, you came in hot. I, I was, had barely had it out of my mouth and 16 popped up in the chat. I was between 21 and 16. I, could, I was just trying to picture. I almost Jason said Kubel 16. Number. I was like seven. That, that would have been bad. Would have ruined the whole game. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I was like is this question going to be what number is Joe Maurer? Seven. <laughs> I had to give Duh. a couple softballs and that's one of them. All right. Question 10. Last question. We're going back to the Wolves playoff success. How many total playoff series have the Timberwolves won in the history of their franchise? Hard-hitting questions. Lucas, very optimistic, says nine. <laughs> Connor got it right. The correct answer is two. They, both, they won two playoff <laughs> series in, in 2004. Year, right? Yeah, and that is the yeah. only year they ever won a playoff series. Went to the Western Conference Finals and then just dropped off the face of the earth Dang. and KG left and everyone was sad. <laughs> so that's a numbers game. Lou, seven. Connor, four. Lucas, great job. Do you guys want the tiebreaker? This, this is yep. a... Okay, so... For three points, we do. <laughs> Minnesota sports-related hey, and Masters-related. There was one University of Minnesota golfer participating in this year's Masters tournament. Eric Van Ruyen a South mm -hmm. African who enrolled in the U of M in 2009, graduated 2013 when he turned pro. I was going to have you both guess what Eric Van Ruyen is ranked in the world and whoever was closer was going to win the tiebreaker. What is his world golf ranking as of April 3rd, the last golf rankings? I don't think he made the cut this year, but I could double check that. It wasn't looking good for him after the first day. I remember, I remember seeing him on there. Big time mustache guy. That's all I really know. And he wears Eyes very here, tight pants. Joggers. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm getting distracted. Lucas guessed 59. Connor guessed 64. And Connor nailed it. 64 in the world. Oh. Go nice. Sky Ma. Gophers powerhouse golf program. It's a numbers game. Thanks for playing. Let us know how you did on Twitter. Did you beat these guys after a pitiful showing last time where I think Lucas and Isaiah had like two correct and they didn't know which number Marion Gabrick wore. Yeah, dude, when I listened to that one, I was screaming, but there also some of the answers were more tailored towards me with them, with me being out probably. But yeah, that was frustrating. Like literally that would be asking 90% of people what number Joe Maurer wore with the twins. So that was a bummer, but this time Lou came out firing. Yep, I had, to, I had to have a good showing this time. All Very right, Marion Gabrick to the wild. Connor, you want to take it away here? Talk a little wild playoff outlook? We've got a little yeah. bit of time until the NHL playoffs start, but it's never too early to talk playoffs. That's right. So as of, uh, as of about 5 o'clock today, we'll talk in that presence because I believe the wild have now won uh, today, 6-3 over the Kings. But um, prior to that, the Wild were 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. So feeling pretty good about ourselves. Um, just lost an OT thriller to the Blues. Um, one thing to, to note is the weird playoff setting that the NFL, or sorry, the NHL does. So 
they don't see they used to seed one through eight just like every other sport and then you were guaranteed to get in if you won your division well they kind of did away with that and they have made it so you play within your division until you make the conference championship which i hate that's stupid yeah, really fun for the Wild, who have the Avalanche, who are clearly the best team in the NHL right now. Um, so the Wild would be the number three seed right now as of post-win today. Um, they're tied with the Blues in points, but have a game in hand. So they would be it would be Avalanche, Flames, Wild, which would be awesome because then we'd be looking at a matchup with probably the Predators or the Stars, which I'll take all day. Instead, we are the we'll be the two or the three playing the blue is pretty much guaranteed unless something you know catastrophic happens. Um, an interesting matchup because a lot of people have compared the Wild to like the old Blues when they won the Stanley Cup. Reason being is that Blues team was really big, really physical, um, and they're still able to like play high level hockey, you know, skate with speed and um, possess the puck and do fun things like that. And that's kind of the wild team this year. I know they, uh, after last year, overachieving a little bit, making it, uh, making it quite a series against, uh, against the, uh, the Knights this year, the wild have kind of come out as not, not a favorite because the abs are clear favorites, but one of the favorites probably in the Western conference to, to compete for with the avalanche. And, and I think they've done a pretty good job this year. So um, it's been a lot of fun hockey. The wild have a pretty good team. They put together, bolstered it at the all-star break. Really good job with Billy G. But uh, the main thing, main takeaway there was it's pretty big bullshit that the, uh, the divisions have changed. Like it, it really does hinder us because we, the Western Conference has one of the probably the arguably the best division and the worst division in the NHL in the Western Conference, and we have to play within our division until we uh, basically lose. So that's frustrating. Um, one thing, a couple of kind of stat things to look at here. Um, exciting thing for Kirill coming up: um, forty-one goals to this point in the season with twelve games left. And, um, and so, you know, he has a, he rattles off a couple two goal games here and we might be getting 50 and 22 shot at Danny Heatley there. Um, so that'd be pretty exciting. The wild haven't had a gold, a 50 goal scorer. I don't think ever. I don't even think number 19, Marion Gabrick did that. So, um, <laughs> no, I think, I think Kirill already has the record. I think he already has the season record or was it the yeah. season points record? Maybe not goals. I don't know. Yeah, I thought record. it was points, but I don't. I, yeah, regardless, it, he might have the goals record already as well. So, so that'd be awesome. He's sixth in the NHL right now with 41 goals. So hopefully he can get across the 50 goal mark. That's just kind of a big milestone. And this early in his contract, because we renewed him and extended him, that'd be huge. So that'll be fun to fun to keep an eye on. Obviously, he's a huge component for the Wild going into the postseason. Um, 42, 42 is the record. So he's got a good chance of setting that Gabrick scored 42 in 2007, eight, Eric Stahl scored 42 in 17, 18. So mm-hmm. he might have a little bit of cushion when it's all said and done. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be a sweet record to break. And honestly, as an NHL franchise, having a 50 goal scorer is like kind of a, a necessity after 22 years in the league. So it's time. Um, a couple of the players I want to talk about too, X factor wise, in my opinion, I think Marcus Felino is going to be a huge player for the wild in the postseason. Um, one of these guys who touched on it with the old blues where he's just a big physical guy, but he can also play skilled hockey. So that combination is really tricky to, to come across. And he's just been like a huge leader for the, the wild this year on and off the ice. Um, so that'll be big to watch, see how he competes in the playoffs. It's really his style of hockey, fast, physical, um, everything super intense. And so that'll be, that'll be a really good element for Felino to be playing. And hopefully, hopefully their line can take some pressure off of Kaprizov's line. And, uh, if that happens, we'll have a really good chance to compete against the blues and maybe take that series. Another X factor would be Alex Goligoski. He's a plus 36 on the season. Not a probably super, super popular pick to be an X factor, but when you're a plus 36 on the season, that's eighth best in the NHL. I mean, that's he is clearly doing the things he needs to do. I, I think it's fair to look at him at like a direct replacement of Suter in a lot of ways. And I mean, with that with that production on the ice, I mean, he's not getting points and he's not getting goals and assists very often, but 
that's not really his role either. Like he's helping out. Um, but he, he's just a really good defensive player. When he's on the ice, we feel a lot better about us not giving up goals. So as far as big picture here, uh, there's really no reasonable chance that uh, the wild would catch the Colorado Avs. So the biggest thing for us is trying to get home ice advantage um, over the, over the blues. So that's kind of priority number one here in the next 12, 11 games to, uh, to, to secure that. Because to be honest with you, I think the wild have a chance to contend for a cup, but it's really Colorado versus a Florida team, whether it's, you know, whether it's the, the Panthers or the lightning. I mean, those two teams are juggernauts to me. I feel like they're going to be tough to beat and, uh, and they're, they got a lot of skilled players. So do you think the wild are the second best team in the uh, West? Is it the West? Is I, that the conference, right? Y- yep. Okay. Yeah, I doubted so, myself when I said it. I should just yeah, the Western Western conference. Uh, yeah, I, I do think so. I think the flames are the second best point getter in the conference, but I just look at it like they're playing so many games against really bad teams. And that's a huge, uh, huge positive for them with their schedule. So I, I think the Wild are the second best team. I think they've played well against the Avalanche this year. Not always notching victories, but um, but competing well against them. And then same with the Blues, like a really strong team that they've played really well against this year. So I think, again, it's just an unfortunate situation where even if, if they see this one through eight, we're a three, we're on the other side of Colorado. So a lot can happen in potentially 14 games before you have to play them. So it's just a little bit frustrating. I don't know if I totally understand it. It kind of like took, I think they put into in place, put it into place in like 2020 or 2019. But, um, but it obviously made a ton of sense last year with how the, uh, how they were trying to stay separate with COVID and the Canadian division and everything like that. But currently it just doesn't seem like it make, it makes a ton of sense. Like why would you not want to do two conferences and like, properly seed the teams because really you know seeding teams keeps the one away from the next two you know that's like kind of the goal and uh and it feels like we might have the top two if not the top three all in the same little quadrant there question for you connor so since the wild traded for mark andre Fleury, they've i mean they've been alternating between him and cam talbot and Talbot, I mean, he made the all-star team this year, so like he's solid, but I know he was on a little bit of a slide, and that's why they they acquired Andre Mark Andre Fleury. In the playoffs, will they just roll with Mark Andre Fleury or will there will Talbot still come in and fill games? Like is it a benefit to have sort of two goalies who are solid, or is it just gonna be ride one hot hand the whole way? I think they'll probably play both. I think a lot of teams will play both goalies in a series, especially because typically you can rationalize, you know, if you get up 2-0, you can say like, hey, this our guy needs a night off. He's playing well. We already have the advantage in the series. And, con- you know, the flip side of that is that if you're down 0-2, you're probably ready to switch goalies anyway. So I think more often than not, they they tend to play both goalies, especially for us. I would I would almost guarantee that we'll play both goalies with us having two pretty strong candidates. Um, I don't, I want, I want to say last year that we didn't play Kakinen in the playoffs. I think we only played Talbot if that, I, I might be wrong on that, but I feel like he maybe played once or maybe twice. Yeah. But I think you're, I think Talbot definitely dominated the, the, I guess the full, however many games he played, we played. Yeah. So, so to me, it kind of seems like um, they'll probably go with the two, the two goalies set up with us having pretty equal, you know, there's not really a drop off between the two. That's, is that something that the the wild, like sort of have a unique advantage in? I don't know what the other goaltending situations are like with the blues or with the, the abs, but that seems like something that would definitely advantage the, the wild. Because Talbot was like one of the best goalies in the league for the first half of the season. Yeah, I definitely would say it is an advantage. I think every team feels pretty good. And like, to be honest, Colorado has so many advantages like that goaltending is 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 probably the least of their worries at times because they're just such a high powered offense. But um, I think every any I think every like contender, if you will, they feel like they have two good goalies. They've in order to get yourself in that position, you probably have to think you have two good goalies. But I do think the Wild, in terms of they might not have the top number one, but I think they're they're their combination. You know, if you gave each goalie a score, we might have the highest combined score sort of deal. 
And then second question from me, we talked a little bit earlier about how like going into the NBA playoffs, rotations get a little tighter. Defense gets a little bit tighter. What is the biggest difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey? And do you think that difference favors the wild or is that something that might be a concern? Like you mentioned earlier that we've got some guys who are well suited and well poised for the the physical playoff hockey, but like as a team, do you think we're well positioned? I think one thing for postseason hockey, similar to basketball in a lot of ways, is like your fourth line probably just won't play as much. And so the one thing that's tough, I think it's a disadvantage for the wild because I, we do have top end, you know, top end players like Kaprizov is definitely up there. Zuccarello, is a, he's playing like an easy top six forward. But when you take out the fourth line, which we've had pretty much four pretty solid lines all year. I mean, we have six guys that have 20 goals or more. So like we spread the wealth pretty well. But with when you get to the postseason, we need to have like, you know, Kaprizov Zuccarello's line on the ice more because it just gives us a better chance to win and score goals. And so losing that that fourth line and I shouldn't say losing it. It'll just probably decrease the number of shifts they'll get. It does. It's probably a disadvantage for us because we are pretty deep and we have a lot of guys that contribute. So it's, it is similar to the NBA that way where there'll be less minutes for guys towards the end of the bench and similar to the NBA in this like star power matters. Like if you can have Paul George play 40 minutes for the Clippers, you know, if, if the Avs can have, you know, McKinnon play 30 minutes in a 60 minute game. Like that's, that's going to be tough for the other team to defend that speed and, and that skill for that long. So. You mentioned Zuccarello. He's got an outside shot at taking over second place all time for points in a season. So Kirill broke the record. So he's, he's got that locked up. He's at 88 points. He passed Gabrick, who previously held the record at 83 points in a season. Zuccarello's right now at 71 points. So he's tied for fifth all time with Miku Koivu's 09-2010 season. But only a 12-point gap between Zuc and Gabrick for the second most points all time in a season. So if he has a couple really nice games here down the stretch, that'd be kind of crazy to have the top two point scoring seasons of all time in wild history happen in the same season. Yeah. And it may be more likely that that happens than unlikely just because of the fact that, you know, if Kaprizov is going to score 50 goals, Zook is probably going to have, you know, three, four more assists in that whole thing and vice versa. Like when you have two guys scoring a lot of goals and they're on the same line, odds are they'll have more points. But the thing about Zuccarello too, is he's only played in 62 of the 70 games. So from that standpoint, you know, he did, he, he might be second all time in Minnesota wild scoring and he he'll probably end up missing 10 games out of the season, which we know in basketball and, and um, hockey, that's, you know, a big chunk of the season. So yeah, it's pretty impressive what, what him and Kirill have been able to do this year and, and not to, not to leave behind Kevin Fiala with 62 points. I mean, he has an outside chance to get in the top five too this year. Like, I mean, it's been a really good offensive year. It's a really strong team. Let's not forget to mention Ryan Hartman, Ike's guy. I know if Ike was here, he'd be saying like, oh, don't forget about Ryan Hartman, my guy for the postseason. He does play that same style of hockey. So like I said, we do have some top end talent. It just feels like in a series against the Avs, which maybe I shouldn't even be looking ahead because we could lose. We certainly could lose to the Blues. They're a really quality team. We lost to them last night. Um, it just feels like the Av has so much more star power. So, yeah, as far as breaking records go, this is, yeah, a really fun team to watch this year too. So, last thing, anything that you're watching down the stretch? Obviously, we talked about the records, but anything in particular, any players you're looking to get into, into form? as playoffs roll around? It's kind of a coward's answer, but I'm just really hoping everyone stays healthy. Like I'm just nervous that if one of, you know, one of our top, you know, top six scores like goes down, you know, you look at Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala, Hartman, Erickson, Eck, Foligno, if even Spurgeon out, including there, who's been kind of out for a lot of the season. If any of those guys go down, it's going to get a lot harder real fast to be competitive in the postseason. So um, I'm definitely looking at boys staying healthy and then I'm hoping they can get back to this, that big greenway Felino and Erickson Eckline that has just been dominating all year. If they can get into good form, that's like such a big line. They can also play the skill game. 
yeah, if they if they start competing at a high level, they're going to be a force in the playoffs. That's for sure. All right, lot to look forward to. Potential playoffs for the Wolves, playoffs for the Wild. Let's go, Minnesota sports, 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 sports. Thanks for tuning into the Mini Market Podcast. We will be back next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Mini Market Pod. If you haven't left a review on the pod, we would appreciate that very much. Isaiah will mow your lawn all summer long. If you leave us a five-star <laughs> review, just screenshot it and tweet it at us. And uh, Ike's got some time. <laughs> he loves to mow, so it's good. See you next week. Go Wolves. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. <laughs>